Next on the Well of Sound, Bowie non-singles. Your darkened eyes roam the street, but your lips are void of history. You could not imagine that it could happen this way, could you? So I texted you and said I was really excited about this, and I did not, I don't, I didn't expect to be as excited mm. as I was. As I went through history, yeah. Bowie history, and took a look at, at what I really wanted to uh, represent me, basically, that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about favorite non-singles is that right by david bowie by david bowie Uh, here we go so what um amazed me as i was going through this is that you and i we've talked about bowie peripherally (laughs) but you and i haven't talked about bowie and passion for bowie really ever i think that's right on or off mic that i can really think of yeah, I mean, I have no idea where you're going to go with this because, uh, I mean, I absolutely love David Bowie. I've gone through many distinct obsessive, obsessive deep dives into David Bowie. And uh, most recently, you know, sort of a couple years ago. And I, 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 feel, I feel pretty intimately familiar. Yeah, me too. I was almost, I was almost thinking on the, what, the coming here, I was like, maybe we should just, maybe we should just see how, how far we can get with, a, with an actual sort of impromptu Bowie episode. Because there's just, as I was researching this, uh, the reason we haven't done it, the reason I wouldn't even suggest it is because there's just so much. There's so much. It's, it's so much. And this felt like uh, an easy way to get into it. I almost feel like, oh, maybe, depending on how this goes, we might just keep on doing this mm, yeah. with different, you know, thematic approaches. But this was a good way to get started because, as you said, it's it's sort of a, 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 a it's a monument. <laughs> <laughs> there, like, when I, you know, I, I wanted us to have at least one one sort of hook or one kind of criterion um, because it's, because it's that sprawling. And so when we did non-singles, I thought to myself, well, that's going to be easy. But I kept coming up with sort of what I would consider to be somewhat deep cuts and then realizing they, they had been singles. released as singles. I know, I had that, which pro- is that problem too. pretty striking. Yeah. I mean, he did, he did release a lot of singles, but it was still... I was like, wait, that was released as a single? Because that, it took... I, I listened to so much Bowie before I heard that song. You know, that that's sort of where I was coming yeah. at it from. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm interested to know what your process was did it did it have to I mean I guess we'll get into it track by track but um how did you face this down at least to start well I have a a playlist that I've gone back to over and over again which is Bowie basically the 90s and beyond Mm. and so I started there um, wow because the I'm intrigued. the early stuff is so uh iconic for me and yeah and and like I was thinking if if I, I needed to get some stuff that was personally exciting to talk about that hadn't been talked about a million times. Yeah. It, it really is Bowie in the nineties onward for, for me, but in the course of this, I did choose a song from 1973, Okay, but I started with those songs. In fact, 
I'll just tell you the song that like that that had had kind of come back into my consciousness recently is the song Baby Universal that okay. he recorded that was on the second Tin Machine album, the one that's not on so Spotify. Happy that you're and, in Tin Machine. And, well, I'm not doing it because oh, they released okay. it as a single. Oh right. He re-recorded it for in 1997 for Earthling. Didn't release it then. It's finally on Spotify. That's that's one of the reasons why I've been listening to it. But I oh. love that song. Okay. And I thought to myself, oh, I'm gonna. This is a chance to talk about Baby Universal. It's a single. You're just gonna have to listen to Baby Strike Universal. It from the list. This is an amazing song. And and the Tin Machine version, Tin Machine Two, which is really hated by a lot of people. Yeah. Um, it is uh, a brilliant song. It's a brilliant performance too. Um. What about you? I haven't been listening to a lot of Bowie recently. And I realized that most of my knowledge came out of obsessive listening with key albums mm. pre-streamer. Uh, and so, you know, my depth of knowledge about Bowie is, is driven by the albums that I bought. Mm -hmm. And so the gaps pretty substantial and so every now and again I would hear a Bowie track from an album that I never had uh, and I you know it would open up a doorway and I'd go down a little bit but I, I sort of it's this weird thing with me and and we'll get into it with uh, an upcoming episode with with about Mark Boland where I obsess and then I close the door and kind of feel like I'm I'm pretty good. I'm I'm done because I'm looking for something else. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like uh, you know when when he died, uh, that final album helped open up the the door a little a little bit again. And I mean it's it's so wonderful. It's 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 so incredible. Um, it, th that as a final gift to all of us that that he gave us is is um i mean what an end mm. to a career that's that's so incredible but um i recently was asked by a friend of mine who's a director uh who needed he's a director of of movies that have budgets real budgets oh wow uh, and he was going to have the ability to include a Bowie song, and he wasn't as familiar with with uh, non-single Bowie songs, and asked me to create a playlist that could thematically apply to the to the movie, and um, and as a result. I just dove in and started listening to albums that I hadn't really listened to before. And so I, I churned up a playlist of stuff that I was, I don't know, it's sort of reigniting this fire and I'm excited to, to get back into it. And it was part of the reason why I, I wanted to, to do this. Um, so I, I, I sort of based my thinking off of that playlist. Very, very interesting. I can't wait to, I've, I have not... I've not seen this playlist that he's mentioned. I didn't even know it existed. I cannot wait to see it. My first song's from 1973. Okay. Mine's from 1967. Ah! I had a feeling you were going to do something from the Decca years. Or the Decca. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I actually, I had, uh, back in the day, they released the Pie singles on CD, mm -hmm. and they were individually... Uh, 
they were they were singles and they were individually um, wrapped, I guess, in one box. And those didn't hit me as hard as as the the Darum. Darum, Darum, not Decca. Well, so Decca owned Darum. Darum okay. was a, a sub-label of, of Decca, which sort of ties into the story here. Um, and uh, so I had that Decca anthology in, let's say, 2000. Okay. Not, 99, 2000. That's, that was when I was really going in and, and, and figuring out uh, my, my love of, of Bowie. And there's one song on that album that is a real standout for me, and I'll get to that. Um, but just a little history here, which you know. Uh, Bowie's first album with Darum flopped, so his manager proposed he work with a new produ- producer, uh, and that producer was Tony Visconti back in 1967, which is kind of incredible that their relationship started there. That's one year before Visconti worked on the first Tyrannosaurus Rex album, Mm -hmm. which we'll be talking about very soon. Um, And there's some good stuff on, there's actually some good stuff on that first Darum album, and Silly Boy Blue is on there. Which is they're both like twenty one at this point too. I mean, they're really young. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're yeah. the same age, I think. Right, and so, and they're they're pop songs. Yeah, okay. They're they're deluxe pop songs. Um, Lush. Uh, there's there's a song. <laughs> I remembered this as I look back at the track. There's a song called "Sell Me a Coat." Do you know that song? No, I don't. Oh my gosh! So uh, uh, the chorus is "Sell me a coat with buttons of silver." Sell me a coat that's red or gold. Sell me a coat with little patch pockets. Sell me a coat because I feel cold. And it just kind of like hobbits along oh, and goes on and on. And a fr- I was playing it one time back then and a friend uh, was just sitting there and suddenly, a friend who had no interest in Bowie, uh, suddenly just registered how long Bowie was was chanting about selling him a coat and was and just said, Was somebody sell this guy a fucking coat already? <laughs> I, I just remembered that as I look back. Um, the laughing gnome is part yeah, of this. That's the whole, one that is, I always think of the laughing gnome, and I think there's I've, horrible puns. I mean, on gosh, that. the laughing gnome. The it's, school it's of London School of Economics. All right, let's hear it. What's that clicking noise? All that stuff. Um, but anyway, uh, the song that I want to talk about or want to play really is Let Me Sleep Beside You. Mm. And it's sort of his first step away. It's part of what uh, his manager was was hoping uh, Visconti would help him with, which is a step away from pop and more into rock. And uh, Let Me Sleep Beside You is, you know, Let, let the Games Begin. It's a first ripoff of, of the Stones' um, Let's Spend the Night Together. Right. right, so Bowie, right off the bat, is is you know he's appropriating. Uh, he's appropriating, looking elsewhere, seeing what's what's working, and and he knows what's cool, and he's after it. Uh, Decca 
had got a lot of flack and a lot of trouble from Let's Spend the Night Together uh, because of the the innuendo. Well, less than innuendo. Not innuendo. No, yeah. direct, right? Uh, and so when he recorded, let me when Bowie recorded Let Me Sleep Beside You, Darum, uh, the word coming down from Decca was this we're we're going to bury this we're not going to release it because let's spend the night together was such a hassle for them uh bowie goes on tour with tyrannosaurus rex in 69 uh opening for them uh doing a handful of miming as as we know he can do mm-hmm. and uh on that tour i believe he got to sit in at uh, the one of the BBC radio sessions uh, and John Peel uh, had him play a handful of songs and one of the songs that he played was this this single let me sleep sleep beside you which never was released until the, that Darum anthology but uh, this version that he did on the the John Peel radio session is especially rock huh and um it 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 kind of feels like man who sold the world era a little bit i mean it's it's space oddity era um and he's backed on that session by junior's eyes uh who were working with visconti at the time they had done a single with rick wakeman and a young jimmy page uh that's when page shows so it shows Bowie some riffs that he ends up incorporating into songs. Oh, like is that a couple right? different songs. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're Bowie, um, it's kind of part of Bowie lore is that uh, a 21-year-old Jimmy Page showed him some riffs that he ended up uh, using over and over again. Not not Page. I'm talking about Bowie did. Oh, wow. Um, he usually credits him, but not 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 uh, not with royalties. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Okay. I I don't I do not know the song. I've never heard it. I okay. sort of you know I kind of took the party line for those early things, partly because I just had so much other Bowie to jump into. So I know I have heard the song uh, "You're in the Habit of Leaving Me" or something like that, and that uh-huh. sounds just like a um, it sounds like a Who song. Like, but uh, I'd like yeah. can't wait to hear this. Um, okay. So maybe I'll include uh, maybe at the intro. You will have already heard the uh, the Darum single version. Okay, I, I will have played that, and here's the uh, the 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 live BBC version. Baby, baby. Brush the dust of you thrown off your shoulder Now the years of threading days as lie behind you Don't return to fields of green where rainbow secrets were told Face your ragged doll with all the toys and paints and peace I will show you games with a winner Lock away your childhood and throw away the key 
fun now the streets and city sounds will burn your eyes as coals we shall drink the oldest wine and velvet skies will linger child you're a woman now your heart and soul are free i will hold a lighted lamp and we shall walk Face Melter is not in the uh, the recorded uh, Visconti version, that's, that's, but that, it's great. I mean, that, that that rocks. It's not at all what I was expecting. No, it's great. It's not the twee laughing gnome. No, uh, no, and and the the recorded uh, the studio version is sort of a step in between. It's not this rocky, um, but it is a step away from the laughing gnome. Um, so there is the evolution is beginning. Huh. Yeah. Um, he uh, re-recorded this along with Silly Boy Blue and some others from that era on Toy in, in 2000. Yeah. Um, which, you know, that version for me is, is not as good, but it's interesting. It's, it's part of this three-part story of, of that song. Um, and clearly, you know, I mean, he still liked that stuff if he re-recorded it. Yeah, there's a lot of. I mean, I'm 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 gonna talk about a toy song. Oh, cool! Actually, in a awesome. little bit. Um, that's 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 it. That's yeah, fascinating. That's... that's a great first. That's a very <laughs> unknown, or at least a rarity. Yeah, that's a rarity. Um, well, the first song I'm gonna talk about is called uh, "Who Can I Be Now," and it was recorded in 1973. It was supposed to be on Young Americans until sort of the very end. So the the story goes as 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 people know, and and this isn't our job to tell the entire story. But uh, Bowie, uh, he hunky dory does extremely well, and then uh, Ziggy Stardust just kind of takes over the world. Then that that is continued with Aladdin Sane. 
And it sort of continued with Diamond Dogs. I, uh, he ejects the band, but he records Diamond Dogs. I uh, love Diamond Dogs. I think Diamond Dogs is fantastic. But he's getting, they, there's a mammoth tour, and during that tour, he decides he wants to um, go soul. He wants to, yep. to do a soul record. And Plastic Soul is what he calls it later, Young Americans. And, you know, it was, it was just funny. I was shopping for groceries yesterday, and Young Americans comes on. And it's just so immediately from, 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 from the cascading piano at the beginning. It's just so recognizable and such a wonderful song. I've always thought that the record itself did not live up to the promise of that song. I thought a, a sort of a Bowie-embracing soul, uh, American black music, almost like a Marvin Gaye uh, sound at that point would have been so cool. Mm-hmm. I just didn't... I, when I listened to that record, it's not... <laughs> Nothing to it touches for me, young that song, young Americans. Uh-huh. But then you you do research about this. Uh, you read about young Americans, and it was a very he was a, the album the album. He was yeah. very uh, dependent on cocaine during this time, like extremely. This was leading into Station to Station, which I we might argue is probably the greatest uh, Bowie record. Uh, I'm not sure I listened to it that much, but I I just think it's it's fabulous the Thin White Duke stuff. But yeah. he's not quite there yet. He stops and. Do Doing this, and there's a there's a tour around it too, to do the Young American stuff. And um, Young Americans, he's talking about it in the press. He, it's called the Gouster for a little while. It's got other names for it. Um, and it, the track listing is just about good to go. They have recorded almost all of it with Tony Visconti. Mm-hmm. And they've got eight eight songs, including one of the, the lead off song is going to be John. I'm only dancing again, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. a it's not really. It's only tangentially related to John. I'm only dancing the the sort of Ziggy single that right. he'd done. Uh, it's got some of those elements in it, but it's a very different song. Anyway, be that as it may, it's just about finished. Visconti is is, is sort of going goes to England to to record some strings for stuff, and uh, Bowie is in America. He's in New York, and he runs into John Lennon who's there right. on his sort of lost weekend. They get together. Um, they become friends. They uh, record Fame, which right. is, which is, I think it's a, that is a fact. That's the other great song on. And is he on Across the Universe? He also, they also record Across the Universe, which if you listen to it, it's interesting, but it's completely, um, most fans, when they talk about young Americans, they yeah. think, given what was left on the cutting room floor, what he cut in mm-hmm. order to put a, cro- the, a sort of a semi-decent cover of Across the Universe yeah. on young Americans, uh, they think it's ridiculous. So it's it's a, it's one of the great travesties of, of okay. his discography. Because they leave a couple of songs. There's a song, um, uh, it's called I'm Gonna Be Me, which is... Um, a beautiful sort of soul ballad, uh-huh. but the great song in my mind, and Visconti wanted John, I'm only dancing again to be on there, but yeah. that wasn't on there. The great, great, great song that is left off is called who can I be now? And the reason I say it's so good is partly because of the lyrics. Mm. I mean, it's about, it's almost, I, they Visconti thought that he probably took it off because it's too, open it's a little mm. too honest okay. about his changing persona who am i going to be now right like right. i could be anything right and who is it going to be this time um and he's all because of the cocaine he's all 
ego and stripped bare and he doesn't he, he records all these tracks live doesn't he yes i think i think he does a lot of it he's recovering his voice his voice got was got really sort of scratchy if you scratchy, listen right. to um the 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 david live at that point uh the or the, uh-huh. the cracked actor i think they've got a um or Dave, they've got a young american's live record you can hear that his it's he's got a scratchy voice right he does record around this time on, a, on an awesome cover, I think, of It's Hard to Be a Saint in the City. Oh, by really? Springsteen. I mean, this is 1974. Oh, right. yeah, yeah, He's yeah. recording. Wasn't there, there's another Springsteen song that he records. Growing too. Up. He does Growing That's Up right. as well. That's they're right. both pretty good, and they're in the sort of young American style. Right. So it's, uh, I mean, uh, it's if it's all a vast creation, putting on a face that's new, someone has to see a role for him and me. Someone might as well be you. I mean, these are the... The lyrics. Wow. Um, I just love that he's <laughs> he's aware at this point of of the uh, chameleon aspect of himself and and hunting. Yes. Yes. That that's a facet uh, 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 at the front, a facet of of his uh, his artistry. I, I mean, I I I think so. I think that's like one of the great. One of the things we love about Bowie, and one of the reasons why it makes it so difficult to write do an episode about Bowie, is because there's just which Bowie. Well, and it's also part of why he's you can come back to him and discover more, and you know you can obsess about an album, and 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 fall in love with that Bowie, and then there's another one for later to meet you. Yeah, you know, I know. Well, the, the, the Young Americans Bowie, the Plastic Soul Bowie, is pretty short-lived. Yeah. It's and one I, album going into... It's one album that sort of segues station into Station, station to Station, right. but is, that's, that is already bringing in the sort of German thing. Right. And um, there's no... I mean, Plastic Soul is, is the name of the sound, but there's no persona no. yet. Thin White Duke appears after halloween jack he's cut and, his hair he's he doesn't yeah. he's got he's, he's still got the, he's still got red hair but right. he's, he's he's cut it right um he's very thin i mean he's extremely thin he's very thin um what's in, a couple other things that are interesting about this song yeah is uh excuse me david sanborn the uh saxophonist yep. plays a saxophonist excuse me mm-hmm. <laughs> he plays a solo like people would say like i don't know that much about the saxophone but they would say it's it's got to be him from the second you hear it. Uh-huh. But on backup vocals is... My favorite. A young Luther Vandross. Luther Vandross. And this is before he was really known. And he... Bowie took him out on... Um, Bowie took him out on the road with him. And like... Yeah. He, so that was... That's pretty cool. But let's hear the song. Ready to hear the song? I am ready. Break their bondage. 
Everyone can feel the chains But even in my night I knew you found your sign And nothing would be quite the same Please help me That's what I call the end of Saturday Saturday Night Live sound. I mean, it, <laughs> right? yeah, I could totally hear that. I mean, what a beautiful and it's a complete, fully constructed yeah. song that he just he just discarded. 
Hudson's and I mean, it came out on like those amazing Ryko disc um, oh. uh, re- uh, reissues that came out in the early '90s. But then it, it's it's been recently. It's on there's a box set called "Who Can I Be Now?" Actually, oh which, really? Which which traces the Diamond Dogs slash Young Americans oh. era. And there's still a bunch of songs. There's a song called Shilling the Rubes, uh, which has never been uh, released. Good? I've never heard it. There, oh. There's there's a he did a lot of recording around this time, and he clearly he was even more mercurial than usual. And some people think he made the right decisions. I think he categorically made a, a bad decision on this particular song because yeah, I think it's it would incredible. be one of the anchors of the record. Yeah, and nothing on it else sounds like that. So yeah. Anyway, I like it for all the reasons that I mean. I love the production. It's like you know, basically, if you're doing a really good soul music production in 1973, 74, it's hard to do a really bad one because there's so many good studio musicians and the sound itself. Is that Sigma sound or is that in New York? Yeah, that's Sigma. Okay. That was actually, that's Sigma. The fame stuff was in New York. So Visconti worked on that. Right, 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 right. Visconti worked on the New York stuff. No, he didn't work on the New York stuff. In fact, he he was deeply hurt that oh. Bowie did the New York stuff with Adam because Bowie calls him up and basically says, like, listen, I got John Lennon to do this. I'm going to run and, with you this. Know, I'm gonna, these two songs are going to go on there and we're going to take two of the songs that you're currently doing overdubs for right oh, now. Wow. We're going to take them off. Right. And I think Visconti loves fame, at least, because um, he loved Lennon, but he was also... Um, the he, album version is awesome. He wishes he could have been... Uh, part of it. Part of it. Sure. Sure. Um, That's not my first one. So I am uh, I'm pivoting uh, in the moment. I was going to talk about a, a different album, but I'm going to go ahead and continue to talk about Young Americans. <laughs> okay. Um, I, you've laid the groundwork. It only makes sense to, to stay here. So I that song uh, that you just played, that sound is so fresh to my ears as far as Bowie goes. Um, I'm just drinking it in right now. Yeah. Drinking it up these days. Um, I, I never knew Young Americans beyond the two singles. Uh, and listening to them now, I just, I, I can't get enough. And I, I was going to do like, um, the Berlin stuff was a big deal to me at at the time. Joe the Lion and Be My Wife were I, I was I was really juggling those two. I almost put Joe. I almost added. I love Joe yeah, the Lion. Joe the Lion. It's great. so good. Just Joe, screams right the in. Lion. Joe the Lion. Um, but I went to Young Americans, and uh, the first track I was thinking about was actually Win, uh, which is part of the New York. Uh, sessions. It seems like a minor track, but it has so much presence and ambience. It makes me think of, I, I feel like uh, Beck was really like, I want to turn a whole album into this with Sea Change. Huh. It really sounds like Sea Change if you, if you listen to it. Um, but I decided to go with Can You Hear Me, which is the track before Fame. Um, and it just sounds good to me. Mm. <laughs> I, I don't know it that well. You don't? No, I mean... Oh, I, I thought that was a hmm, I no, don't think so. No, 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 no. I, I, again, 
I listened to all of Young Americans like three times, maybe, okay. and then I, and I listened to the singles over and over again of that record. Because I, anyway, I I I, I want to hear it in a fresh context. So uh, it is, and it's Bowie recording a song that he actually uh, wrote initially for Lulu, who we've talked about on the uh, Alice Cooper episode. Uh, she was fresh off of writing the track, uh, the Bond track for the Man with the Golden Gun. Uh, she wrote she, that, or did she? Or, she oh, sorry, she recorded the 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 title track for for that, which yeah. replaced uh, Alice Cooper's "The Man with the Golden Gun." <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. Right. Yeah. Um, so she beat out Cooper. Uh, she had just finished that, and uh, Bowie. I think does backing vocals and saxophone on her cover of The Man Who Sold the World and Watch That Man, uh, both of which were produced by Ronson at the time. And she recorded this song, uh, Can You Hear Me, as Take It In Right, which is in the chorus. Um, So the lyrics haven't changed. The the title has. Um, I... I just love it. It actually sounds more like a like a Muscle Shoals song than it than it does a Sigma uh, uh, song, but um, you, the the Luther Vandross thing is is so wonderful. I'm so glad you talked about it. I'm just gonna dive right in uh, and and play the song. Take it right Take it 
song you know i don't think i ever gave that song the time of day and that goes right into fame and it's just it's just such a journey and that climax there at the end where he just really just gives it all he's got yeah it sounds so wonderful but then you know you've got all the things you talked about the backup singers uh the sax sanborn sax the uh carlos alomar rhythm guitar you can really imagine I, I, I tried to track down the Lulu version. You can imagine a soulful female voice singing this, like if not her, then Dusty Springfield or Bobby Gentry. Like it would sound incredible. Yeah, uh, unbelievable. Um, yeah, pre- pretty, pretty great song. <laughs> That's, I love it. Gosh. Well, I had. I mean, I'm I'm about to jump. So Great. We're about to jump to 1993. Okay, let's that? do it because we're going to rewind anyway. Okay. Uh, 1993. Um, I should say that like the the first David Bowie single mm-hmm. in my own listening life. Okay. You know, that's not sort of on the radio. Not China Girl when I was a kid. You know, yeah. or something like that. Um, the first one or Let's Dance. Those are the ones what I sort of sure. thought of him as. Yeah. Um. 
the first one that I remember hearing, and it's a single that I just absolutely adored, and I bought. Um, the, Fame 93. No, it was <laughs> actually. Uh, he did do that, though. I Fame know, 90, on, right? Or is it 93? Or, or whatever. It was yeah. on the Pretty Woman soundtrack. Oh, That's God. what I remember. No, it was Jump They Say. Oh. Jump They Say off of Black Tie, White Noise. And it's um, it's got a sort of a very, almost like a jungle type beat. Like, um, uh-huh. Meaning like a, a, a very, very fast sort of techno beat. I, it's one of my favorite singles of his. And it's off a record that I bought, and it was the first time I'd actually heard a, a Morrissey song, because he covers I Know I Know It's Gonna Happen Someday on that. Yeah. And uh, that record at the time, like, Mick Ronson had come back to do like, a, he was had cancer, and he was he sort of right. plays a solo right. on, on something on there. The record itself isn't that great. It's got a bunch of covers, but Jump They Say... Blew my mind. So anyway, I vaguely remember it. I it, don't like. It's a really I, cool video. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's got a kind of a techno, you know. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's not. Right. He goes on to do, uh, you know, sort of a drum and bass type of album with yeah. Earthling, but this is before that. Yeah. But it. Anyway, love the song "Jump." They say, and that would be included in like one of my my top Bowie songs. Right. Top for probably top ten. Right, because it's a single. That's, yeah, it's a right. single. I didn't yeah. keep it. But. Right after that, okay. So he's being interviewed about that record. He's being interviewed for you know Interview Magazine that always mm-hmm. pits sort of two famous people yep. talking to each other. Um, he was interviewed by a British novelist named Hanif uh, Kurieshi. Kurieshi. Okay. I, I don't. I mean, I'm, I'm probably murdering uh, that last name, but uh, who's sort of a well-known novelist who has written a book called The Buddha of Suburbia. Um, I've never read the book. Did they make it into a movie? They made it into like a BBC play. Okay. And it was the soundtrack album was by David Bowie. He asked during the middle of the interview, he asked, he, he, this novelist asked Bowie to, um, he, he, one of the reasons <laughs> he took the interview was in order to ask Bowie if he could use some of his older material um, as soundtrack for this uh, sort of production that okay. was going into the works. Anyhow, um, Bowie says yes, because he loves this novel. That's why he agreed to do the interview. It's wow. sort of a coming-of-age novel, and there's like a, there's a rock star component to it. Okay. And uh, he, he liked it, but he does the soundtrack, but you know, then he decides he's having so much fun working completely by himself with one other guy. Um, he brings back in, um, what's his name? Erdal... Uh, Kizilke, I'm maybe saying that wrong too. He's a Turkish musician who had worked with Bowie during the 80s. Especially, he had like helped write a couple songs during the Never Let Me Down, which is was known as Bowie's like worst record. Okay, but um, clearly they still had a pretty good relationship. They, he goes to Switzerland. And he is decides to re- make an actual album called The Buddha of Suburbia, which I think only the song Buddha of Suburbia is actually included in the production that they'd end up doing. Everything else, he takes some song cues. They just improvise for, yeah. for days. And he, Bowie, in I think 2002 maybe, said it was his favorite record he made. Wow. Yeah. But because it was viewed as like, the, it was kind of clear as a soundtrack, what's going on, his star is right. sort of at an, a, a real yeah. low point. Um, and he had done that stuff before uh getting involved with theater i think in the early 80s with ball yeah and, and he did the bertolt brecht thing too yeah, right. i mean he, um 
and doing score stuff, soundtrack stuff for that. Yeah. So it just it was basically David and this other guy. Um, they re- wrote and recorded in six days or something. Yeah. A record, the Turkish guy. The Turkish guy. A record called The Boot of Suburbia. And it came out. People didn't really know what to do with it. It wasn't even released in America. Really? Yeah, it was not released in America. Um, and that's one of the reasons why, because it was marketed as a soundtrack album rather than as a Bowie album. And yet, it is unbelievably good. I think it's a great album. And my, the song I'm going to put on here, that, uh-huh. I, that was my second choice, Amazing. Uh, is called Dead Against It. Okay. And it's Bowie and this guy fooling around with sort of cheap synthesizers. But one of the reasons I think he likes it is because he bas- it's, it's close to like a true solo album yeah. that he ever did. It, in that oh. it's really just him it's and, just and two people. one guy sort of helping him. Yeah. But really him. And they would just improvise for hours and they took the, his favorite stuff and he... Um, he wrote lyrics over it. And okay. so you'll hear it. It's kind of like it's a synth pop piece of uh, just, uh, it's sublime. Yeah. Uh, it's beautiful. We're a million miles away from young Americans. Right. And I think it's aged extremely well. Wow. It's not the only good song on the, on the record, but it's my favorite. Right. Yeah. 
That has such a nice, bright '90s sound to it. Yeah, it it feels like it sort of paves the way for hours, which I always like. Oh, I know it glides along. I mean, it's got a very driving sort of cheap yeah. synthy. Like yeah, yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. They're, they're messing around, but um, everything um, flows so well, and there's a musicality to it. And I love him doing sort of a hushed synth pop vocal that sounds yeah it sounds modern to me actually in the in the way that a kind of a and um, then it also fits it's not a soul vocal at all no no it seems to fit in with what you might imagine if you logged into bowie net or whatever (laughs) for the for the first time uh what might be on the the page and and greet you right you remember when he started his own internet service did he ever i mean he was he was way ahead of the curve and there's 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 um wonderful clips of him talking about the internet which put something in here because it's of him having a a both a view of its enormous potential and ai even but also some of the you know scarier uh aspects yeah, I mean, yeah, the foresight that he had. I, I feel, I always, <laughs> I always feel bad for that BBC reporter who has to basically say like, "But it's just a computer, yeah, isn't it? You know, just, like he just, always looks shitty in the in with history looking back. He just looks like a, a ding dong. The, uh, there's not and much. Always like, no. What are you like? Are you, you have no about? idea. This is everything. This, this is the most yeah. important thing that's it's happened. Gonna... I don't think we've even seen the tip of the iceberg. I think the potential of what the internet is going to do to society, both good and bad, is unimaginable. I think we're actually on the cusp of something exhilarating and terrifying. It's just a tool, though, isn't it? No, it's not. No. No, it's an alien life form. What do you think, I mean, when you think then about... Is there life on Mars? Yes, it's just landed here. But yeah. that's, it's a simply a different delivery system there. You're arguing about something more profound. Oh, yeah, I'm talking about the, the, the actual context and the state of content is going to be so different to anything that we can really envisage at the moment, where the interplay between the user and the provider will be so insimpatico, it's going to, it's going to crush our ideas of what mediums are all about. Uh, you know, the next project after this is Outside, or One Outside, uh-huh. um, which is a, a tough project, um, and I think it's it's one that's worth revisiting. I, I uh, My hope is that yeah. there, we're going to see even more um, kind of the outtakes from that. He's working with Eno, and... Um, Right. He, I've, there's a couple songs on that that I almost included. Really? Yeah, Through These Architects' Eyes, I think is great. There's a song called No Control. And Strangers When We Meet, he actually, which is, which is sort of the only uh, non-abrasive song on, on Outside, or it's a little yeah. easier to swallow, he actually wrote that for Buddha of Suburbia, and it's on Buddha of Suburbia. Oh. But Buddha of Suburbia is half-instrumental. I just is that have to, available you know, now. Yeah, now you can find it on all the streaming services, oh, okay. and I, I highly recommend it. It's it's interesting. Yeah, there's a um, he wasn't clearly making a commercial record, right? There's a there's a, one of the verses. I mean, I don't know what he the heck he's singing about on that song, but he says she is the apple in my eye. She talked to God. I couldn't cope or hope. Deloped a dope. She roped this salty lie. I mean, it's like that's fun. What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Uh, and he's just. 
it sounds great though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So dead against it. That's my number two. Wow, so awesome. Well, I'm gonna, uh, I'm actually gonna rewind past back in time, past Young Americans. Uh, I just Ooh. jumped on the Young Americans uh, uh, connection. I see. Uh, which is why I went to that. I again, you know, this stuff was was hard. I was actually gonna do. I think I've told you that pinups is is one of my favorite Bowie albums. Oh, you did mention that one time. Um, That's the extent of our Bowie conversations. You I think that, that was little it. morsel when we were talking about Mick Ronson, I think, and it's like, wait, what? What? Come again? Uh, yeah, I think there's a lot to love on on that album, and I'm actually we'll have to save that for another time because as I got into thinking about. Uh, the cover of Sorrow that's on pinups, I realized that it was the single from the oh. album. So eh, scratch that off the list. And there are some great covers on there that I, I love. They're just not maybe what I would choose uh, above others. Um, he covers See Emily Play by Pink Floyd. Uh, I Can't Explain, which I... I do uh, like that version. Yeah, it's, it's good. I, if you hadn't... I like listened, any version of that song. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and of course, you know, I wanted, I wanted to pick something from Hunky Dory, but it's one of my favorite albums, so I couldn't pick anything. You're right, right. You know? That's how I, that's how I feel about Hunky Dory. Yeah. It's sort of everything. It's, it's everything. So I just left it alone. Um, I'm going to go to a place that you'll have a lot to speak about, and that is Diamond Dogs. Ooh. Um, and the reason why, uh, Diamond Dogs is fresh for me, is going back to what I was saying about, you know, having holes in the discography. Diamond Dogs, do you remember those uh, record shops on St. Mark's Place that yeah. sold the, like, you know, the cheaper... The bootleg sort the of bootleg stuff? The bootleg stuff. Of course, stuff. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, being a, a poor kid in New York, a poor 20-something in, in New York, you know, I had to choose my albums wisely, and I always circled around diamond dogs but never bought it and so it like lives large in my head um but when i finally got to listen to it i i you know it was like a whole it's a whole world Mm, very Um, much so and uh and it seems like so he he's he's uh moved on from the spiders from mars at that point in 73 70 is it more 73 than 74 it's more 73 yeah um he's let them he's cut them loose um and ronson is recording slaughter on 10th avenue uh pinups is not well received but we're still in the glam era and it seems to me that he's he's he needs to deliver another concept glammy album maybe for himself does, does that feel accurate? I mean, there's a machine behind him, and I think that he's he's at, at towards the end of the Ziggy thing. Ronson was almost being seen as uh, he, it, it was he was starting to be seen as sort of Bowie's foil, and like could uh-huh. he do it without him? And, uh-huh. and where does this end? And um, right, because Ziggy is when he he, he steps forward as as something and someone significant no matter what he had done before that definitely i mean it's it's a huge uh for him to fire that band at that point 
was seen as a, a majorly a sabotaging move. Right. But at this time, if you listen to it, you kind of feel with Aladdin Sane and to pinups a little bit too, but you feel they've kind of done what they can do. Right. And you understand, like, I would love three more albums of that stuff, but yeah. you also, yeah, you just realize that it, right. you can't get more. That it's, yeah, it's funny. I don't, I, I, uh, I, I, I listened, once upon a time, I listened to Aladdin Sane a lot. And it's certainly, um, you know, the cover is, uh, iconic, um, and I love a lot of the songs on there, but I don't go back to it right. a lot. Um, but anyway, uh, what really I love about Diamond Dogs is, is side two, when it goes Orwellian. Mm. Um, really Orwellian. Really Orwellian. Uh, there's Rock and Roll With Me uh, into We Are the Dead, which has a bit of an Alice vibe. Yeah. Um, and the the Wawa Isaac Hayes guitar on 1984 is marvelous. Remember when we played the Tina Turner cover of 1984 oh, in that episode? Uh, We're recording this the week that Tina Turner died. Oh, by that's the way. right. And I I listened to that this week, and I thought of all the Bowie songs that after she'd done that duet with him that she records she goes with 1984 which i had to check again to see if that was a single because i love that song so much and yes it's a single it's a single um but which is yeah. why i didn't go Beware, with it and i savage went roar so good um i went with big brother Ooh, good song i love big brother which extends into chant of the ever circling skeletal family as kind of one piece. It all feels like, I mean, it's sort of the same time as, as Lamb mm-hmm. and it, the sort of New York focus, uh, you know, makes me think of his awareness of, of Peter Gabriel and, and, and Genesis. Um, they are distinctly different albums, but. Well, one of the great things that people have, have wondered is if we will ever get a filmed version of that tour. Because that was the tour oh. that was one of the most expensive tours ever undertaken at the time. It had just, it was an enormous production. Yeah. And apparently the the Diamond Dog story made sense. Like it was, it, there was right. extra elements and he conceived it visually as well. You right. listen to that record. Even though it's he, a hodgepodge of, of different projects that he was trying to kind of fit together fit but together that i've just what I, when if you read there's a wonderful 33rd and a third book about diamond dogs which explains the hubbub around it and uh-huh. he, he was you know flying by the seat of his pants and he famously re- had to record all the guitar parts himself and right. he said uh, he he played the most on like buddha of suburbia that he had played since diamond dogs okay and so anyway uh and he doesn't play guitar on. Uh, he doesn't play the, that wah wah guitar. I don't think so. But no, he, it's, I, um, it's he's known for having played the Rebel Rebel riff. Right. That if you listen to it, it sounds a little amateurish, but that's why it's so good. Right. Right. Um, all right. Well, I'm gonna play Big Brother. What? Oh, here we go.
seems like a like a a, a a fantastic and layered goodbye to glam hmm. for him right it's the it's basically the last track of the the album yeah i mean it's also supposed to be you know he had he had been flirting with doing a 1984 uh musical musical yeah and uh the, there's a so there's a wonderful website about bowie that everyone should check out it's been made into books but it's called um uh, what's it called? It's called Pushing Ahead of the Dame. It's David Bowie song by song. And it's okay. this very this guy Chris O'Leary is very um extremely literary and he yeah. writes about every single song. He he opens it up by saying by talking about Big Brothers has a love song to submission, a fascist, and a cocaine hymn. <laughs> Big Brother was possibly intended to close Bowie's nineteen eighty four adaptation as little could top it dramatically. That's right. 
But it's it also a, tops, it also finishes the glam thing. He turns Glamrock into a fascist. <laughs> like, uh, someone to save us, someone to follow, like someone, that's what he's, that's what the whole right. ending, it's this cacophony right. of like, take us away, great leader, you know, right. and it's um, right. amazing. And it's just at the right time too, right? It, it, just when it's, it's, it's wearing thin and becomes nothing but camp. And so thin. Like, of course he had to stop doing it. He had to leave. Right? Um, And the the recording of his vocals are are just, I mean, they get me every time. They reach into my chest and, like, squeeze my heart. They're so powerful. And then the... It's it's incredible how many saxophones he decides to put in that bridge. Um, It's... uh, he said, Big Brother was built like a flow chart. Beyond a certain point, you can't go back. <laughs> um, and I, right. I can hear that. Yeah, you can totally hear that. That's this it. This is why it's, it's a biking funeral. Is such an insane, it's so over the top in a way that Aladdin Sane actually isn't. Aladdin Sane has like a really, really long like piano solo in one yeah. song that kind of gets you bored. There's nothing boring about Diamond Dogs. <laughs> it just is, you've got to be ready to go dystopian. Yeah. And, um, and 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 you know really indulge in this sort of darkness misanthropic fantasy world yeah yeah that as we pull you out of the oxygen tanks and you God, what an experience party. if you have the vinyl in in 1974 and you're a kid and you're opening this lush like hypersexualized totally confusing image of him half dog oh my gosh. half uh, man rock star it's yeah, amazing. Ziggy had become a dog. I mean, it was, <laughs> it's really, a, it's almost like a garbage bail kid image. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I think Diamond Dogs is a, is a masterpiece. It and is. And I, I wonder, I think at one point it was supposed to be a double album. And um, apparently there's still stuff that's cut from it that we, we haven't heard. But um, what we have, if it is so good and so. Again, like when we just listen to the Young American stuff, although he's right on the edge of it, yeah, it's still such a different. You can you can just you just get why he was like okay I'm that done. and and I guess the touring, the tour behind it, the the, the stage and the um, the sets were so um, heavy and enormous that right. it became very very difficult to travel, mm-hmm. and that um, it it took it out of him and also. People who know the Bowie story know that there's a huge fight that he gets into with his his management, Tony DeFreeze and Main Man. Right. In fact, fame that we talked about earlier is really a huge fuck you to Tony DeFreeze. Like that's mm. what it, it it's like Lennon coming up and saying, "Listen, these guys will get you. I'm still litigating with Alan Klein. Mm-hmm. Like get out of there." Mm-hmm. And that's what fame mm-hmm. is. And mm-hmm. and so the Diamond Dogs tour was kind of like. Bowie never made any money until right. like the '80s because of this reason. Right. Because he was he had a management that was taking everything. Right. Um, and there's all this chaos. I've, I forgot to mention that this is '74 uh, or '73, '74, same era as uh, when we talked about underrated solos with um, Ronnie Wood, Rod Stewart, George Harrison. Like it's all swirling around at this point. In, in London, this this um, rock and roll chaos and and orgy and party and, and the whole deal. Well, yeah, I mean it's all it's all there. 
That's it. That's that's three right. for me. All right, my last one comes. It was first recorded in two thousand, and then it wasn't. Uh, it was re-recorded in two thousand one, and it was put out in two thousand and two. Hmm. And it is the very stately, unbelievably beautiful ballad called "Slip Away." It's on Heathen, but it was originally. Oh, yeah. It's originally titled Uncle Floyd. Okay. And, okay, so this relates to what we've been talking about. Uncle Floyd, the Uncle Floyd show, was a children's TV show that aired in New Jersey and New York from 1974 to 1998. It was huge among countercultural types. In fact, John Lennon turned David Bowie onto Uncle Floyd. The Ramones were huge fans. I mean, it was a public access thing. This guy, Floyd Vivino... Um, I think he was basically a real strange cat who did sort of <laughs> puppets. Think what you really need to think is Pee Wee Herman. Right. This is pre Pee Wee Herman, but regional. Regional, and it's kind of it's ostensibly aimed at kids. Right. Right. Um, you know, it's not- like the Ernie Anderson thing that we were talking about during the Pretenders uh, in Cleveland. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Right. Um. So it's a very uh, odd thing, but I guess Bowie was a fan of it, and he was thinking about Lennon, and he just ended up writing this song about Uncle Floyd, about the show, as kind of a metaphor for, I guess, lost... um, you know, lost youth or something like that. It was... was, It's a tribute. And... um, Iggy Pop, I guess, was another big fan of the Uncle Floyd show. If you watch Uncle Floyd show, it's hard to I like, love Uncle Floyd. Understand it. Um, it's it's uh, it, Bowie said this is another new song. It's about a television hero in America from the 1970s that myself and Lennon and Iggy Pop used to watch in the afternoons. Oh my god, Can crazy you guy! And we were very adult and used to love fooling around watching this guy Uncle Floyd. And his song is called <laughs> "Slip Away." Now, so it begins, the original version of it was called Uncle Floyd, Uh um, and it was recorded for Toy. Okay. Toy is an album that never came out. It was him re-recording, mostly re-recording in 2000, mostly re-recording 60s songs that he'd written. Yeah. But he had two new songs on there. One was called Afraid, and one was called Uncle Floyd. They both made it onto Heathen. Okay. But uh, uh, Uncle Floyd was renamed Slip Away. Okay. And Visconti got a hold of it and they the original Uncle Floyd song starts with like a minute of dialogue from the show. The show. Now one thing you need to know about the show, or I don't even know if you do need to know this about the show, but there are these like um Oogie is one of the, the puppets or something. One of the puppets. And uh uh what's it it's um yeah. Oogie was was one of the puppets, and I think like um, there's another skeleton. I forgot exactly what it's called. Uh, it's so wild when you think about this stuff that this was everywhere at a certain time, and I realized like Fred Rogers was like the 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 most palatable version of something like this, like the normcore version. Think instead of, th- of the, but the, that's like, what you need to think about, right? Um, that's exactly what you need to think about. So. Um, Oogie the Clown, the Clone, excuse me, Oogie the Clone, and (laughs) Bones Boy, the Skeleton. And they're all in uh, this insane uh, song, but the song ends up being almost like a Life on Mars type of... um, he said, he, he there's a quote of him talking about it. He said, I wanted something on the album that pointed 
to a nicer time, a better time, a more fun time, even if it wasn't necessarily true. For me, it was a fun time, the late 70s. It really was. Mm. It was an American show, and it was on some unheard of cable station out of New Jersey, and I think he did the show in his living room. The Ramones played the show quite a few times because they also loved it. Saying, Uncle Floyd, where are you now, is really like Ray Davies saying, where have all the good times gone? Mm. So yes, that's my yearning song okay. as far as looking backwards, but most of it is about rather anxiously looking into the future. Now this record, Heathen, I, I sort of chose it as well just to highlight Heathen because I love Heathen. I think it's uh, a genius record. Yeah. Um, it's 2002. Yeah. It's sort of what became of Toy. There's a song, there's a, there's a single on it that people don't like called Everyone Says Hi. I think it's good, mm-hmm. but there's a song on there called Slow Burn, which is amazing. The first mm-hmm. song, Sunday. People say it's it's like, <laughs> like Chris O'Leary called that album, it's a month of Ash Wednesdays. Like it's that, it's that heavy. But I don't think it's actually that heavy. It's, it's him talking about the future a little bit. At the time, for a long time, he did this one and then he did Reality and then there was nothing until the next day. Right. And it also comes, I mean, I know that Toy was in between, but as far as the public knew, it's uh, it went hours to Heathen, which there's a nice pairing there of, of light and, and dark a, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You mean of, of Heathen and Reality? Uh, no, Heathen and Hours. Heathen and Hours. Well, Hours is... And ours is him getting back to an acoustic guitar yeah, again. Yeah. And Heathen is him playing with Visconti again. Right. And uh, there's another song in there called Safe that I almost included, which is on a soundtrack. But uh, you have to listen to this song because the way that I think it's actually a superior song on Heathen uh-huh. because of Visconti's always known for his use of strings. And they cut out the sound effects, which I kind of like, but were a little, a, a lot to take. Okay. And there's like a guitar solo. In fact, it doesn't get to the chorus. The original Uncle Floyd song doesn't get to the chorus until the fourth minute. And if you listen to the song, it's got the most... Someone said it's got a melody that could hold up a bridge. I mean, it's, it's that sturdy. Um, but I think I should just play it. Okay. It's... it's Just another day Drags his bones To see the Yankees play Bones by tops And flickers grey Only slip away Once a time They nearly might have been Bones and oogie On a silver screen No one knew What they could do Except for me and you 
I mean, man, they make a great pair. I was looking at your face. I just, Lex was really... Uh, I was feeling it. You were feeling it. It's, it's transformative. I mean, it's transporting, right? I mean, that's... Yeah, totally. I mean, it does, it feels like it paves the way. What I was just trying to look up is if uh, Bowie and Visconti worked together before Lazarus again, because that's, that feels like that paves the way for Lazarus, mm. even though there's a distinct reason for that album to, to exist. Um, yeah. uh, I, I could hear a little bit of that. There's there. certainly like a, that what, what he's doing on heathen and he, what he was doing a little bit as well, I think on ours and on reality is he's sort of grabbing various threads from his career and doing yeah. it like, and weaving them into songs. I mean, that would be more of like a life on Mars type yeah. of, it, unbelievably grandiose widescreen right. ballad. Right. Um, but it's about Uncle Floyd and Oogie <laughs> and, you know. Right, the good times. The, it's it's literally about Pee Wee's Playhouse. Right. But it's about the good times. Yeah, it's about yeah. something more than that. And you right. could feel the emotion. He, he played it live a lot. Yeah, yeah. Never released it as a single. Huh. So. It counts. It, I mean. It counts, I think. What a great exercise this was i mean we could do the singles version sometime i know and it would be a totally different experience I mean, we've, we've mentioned so many other songs oh i mean there's this. eras that we didn't even touch we, we may have talked even any of the berlin stuff berlin or uh, uh, uh scary Rogers. monsters yeah. and and yeah yeah now right tonight tonight i mean one of the things that you do see is that he had, did have a pretty good ear for singles meaning like a, a lot of times um the there's some towering songs that were released as singles that you almost yeah. can't. He, he didn't leave that many songs unhighlighted. Right. Um, or at least he didn't. He would come back to them and um, at least songs that could work as a single. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would say that he had pretty good taste. Um, it's not like one of these people that you're kind of like, why did they release that song and not this one? Um, no. You sort of get it. Like, there's what? a wealth there. Um, what. Uh, what are you going to focus on next in your Bowie venture? Is there anything like, is there well, I wanna listen any to, under-listened? I want to listen to um, that last record. I want to listen to the Lazarus record again. Yeah. I, I sort of, it, when it came out, I love the song Dollar Days. And I like, I mean, I, I it, it was so shocking because no one, remember, no one yeah, knew Du Bowie no. was that sick. Right. And, um, he really kept it under wraps yep. and then the record was out and then he was dead. And, and then there was that video of him with the eyes, eyes sewn shut. Yeah. And, um, it was all, um, I, I, it's, it's not tainted, but it's, 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 it's clothed in that. And I know it's his sort of a death record. So I want to go back to that. Yeah. I also, um, I really, I want to listen to David live, which is the, the, which has Diamond Dogs and Young American stuff that he's yeah, playing. Yeah, I want to hear that because that's where he's got the scratchy voice and that he's sort of about. And I, I mean, every I time I, I listen to Bowie, I think uh, I just really want to listen to Station to Station again. Yeah, the, the, the you know, the European canon is here. right. Right. I think I always avoided David Live because it, it felt like RCA trying to cash in because yeah. he had left. Um, but I'm I'm definitely interested. I've in never that touched too. any of the live records from the early days. I haven't. Uh, me neither. Except for I, I watched Ziggy Stardust a lot. The movie. The movie. Hmm. Um, 
and so I sort of know that inside and out. There was um, a box set that came out from the of the Hunky Dory stuff last year. Oh yeah, that sounded very interesting. Um, that would be I'd good. Like you know, my my uh, uh, white whale is Lodger. I I I just don't know that album mm. very well, and uh, it came up when we did that. <laughs> That rock trivia, or or the 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 time that I joined rock trivia, DJ came up, <laughs> which I didn't know. Like that, I, I was going to go to DJ, uh, but it's a single, mm. um, and I I put on the beginning of Lodger the other day, and I was like, I just don't know that much of, of, about it. I mean, it's it's Berlin years, but I I just never have listened to it all the way through. So that's going to be my next new frontier. For that's him. a good frontier. Yeah, I like Lodger. I don't. Low is so perfect. Yeah. It's, it's like Roger feels like a very different. Doesn't yeah. feel like the, they say it's a trilogy. I don't feel Roger actually no, fits in the trilogy. Low and heroes feel like yeah. of the same voice, and and then yeah, Roger's. But there's just so it's much a transitional albums. This guy, like. and I'll probably listen to hours on the way home too. That Thursday's Child is such a Thursday's beautiful. Thursday's Child's great. Was a, that was that came out when I was right at the my height of listening to yeah. things. Yeah, I was really excited when that album came out. Well, cool. Thanks, Lex. Until next time. Until next time. Now they're staying up the chimney And we're living on caviar and honey Cause they're earning me lots of money Fighting comedy pros for radio shows It's the, uh, it's the gnome service, of course